0: I just want us to take the time to just jump right into this today. We are going into Romans chapter 12. And I will be reading from verses 3 to verses 8 in the ESV. You can follow me in whatever version that you have. And it begins, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And I just wanna go back to verse six. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Father God, we just wanna tell you thank you. Thank you for this day thank you God for this moment and believe it or not God we trust that this is an amazing moment to be alive the psalmist said that this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it so the fact God that we are able to breathe breath God the fact that we are able to inhale and exhale is more than enough reason for us to tell you thank you and to give you praise we just invite you God into this moment we ask you God to be with us wherever oh God we are right now watching this broadcast. And we don't even take time to pray for ourselves, God. We pray for all those this morning across this city, across this province, across this great country, and yes, even across the world. Wherever your word is being preached, we ask that you would be with those that are serving this morning and those that are leading this morning and those that are preaching and teaching and speaking this morning, God, as your gospel goes forth throughout this world. We thank you for this moment, and we give you all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So as you know, for the past two weeks, if you've been tracking with us, Pastor has been leading us in a brand new series called Say Grace. Say that with me. Say grace. And it's been an amazing series whereby he's been teaching us about the, the grace of God. And this is a word that we most of us know, especially if you've come up in the church, you've heard this word get thrown around in a lot of Christian circles. And we've just relegated grace to being this idea of unmerited favor or undeserved favor. But thanks to our pastor, we've actually been having the opportunity to learn that grace is so much more than just unmerited favor. In fact, our pastor has expanded that. That definition He's told us that it is the undeserved work of God on our behalf, and that it can be seen when God does something for us or when He does something through us. And he's also taught us that grace is somewhat like, he used the example of a Swiss army knife. So grace is this multifaceted faceted gift. And depending on the context, it turns up in our lives in different ways based on the way that we need it. And it demonstrates itself in differing ways. And so pastor has already started off by sharing one of the most important and I think the most important facets of grace, which is saving grace. It is the work that God did on our behalf to save us from our sins, to save us from death and to save us from hell. Today, however, I would like for us to briefly examine another facet of grace and that is specifically the grace to serve. God has divinely graced or enabled us to serve him and to serve others in distinct ways. This facet of grace is very similar to saving grace in that it has nothing to do with us. It's not something that we could earn, and it's not even something that we're necessarily deserving of. It is a gift from God and a work that he does through us and for us. So I want to pose a question to those of you that are visiting us with us and watching with us in the chat today, and I want to ask you this. How many of you know that there is almost nothing worse than encountering someone that lacks the grace for the thing that they're doing or for the area where they're serving. Can I get some hands up in the chat if you know what I'm talking about? Some emojis, anybody that has had that experience. Like, I know that in my time as a Christian, I have encountered people in spaces that really, to be quite honest, they probably should not have have been in. Has anybody else had an experience like that? If you had, you could go ahead and and type in the chat that you've had that experience where you have encountered somebody that, that just didn't have the grace to do what they were doing. You know, it's quite possible that they were really sincere and that they really wanted to help out in some way, contribute in some way, and partake in some form of ministry. But when really put to it, there probably wasn't enough time given to them to really to find out where they were graced to serve. For example, you might have come across somebody like I have, and you're like, sis, the department that you're a part of has hospitality in its name, and yet you have somehow managed to be the most inhospitable person today. Anybody had that experience? Or when you've come across like those really mean ushers that they're leading you to your seat, and they're just for some reason they're just sour and, and and bitter, and you don't know what's happened. Like, forget about even waiting for getting for getting into the sermon before you get offended. You've just been offended just trying to make your way into the building and to your seat. So when you come across situations like that, you realize how imperative it is. To, to find out where it is that God has actually graced you and how He has particularly endowed you to serve. So we've learned that God has saved us from our evil works. Pastor has been teaching that from for the past two weeks. He told us in the beginning that you know we got receipts, and then he went on to tell us that our salvation is on lock. So we know that we have been we have been saved and we've been taken from something. However, we have also been saved for something. So we've been saved, yes, from evil works, but we've also been saved for good works. And Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9 tells us that we have been saved through grace by faith and it's not any work that we've done for ourselves so that none of us can boast. It's simply by the gift of God. But verse 10 tells us that for we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when God saved us, it was his intention that we begin to walk with a different sense of purpose and intentionality. One that would be focused on doing good works throughout our lives' journey. It's, It's important though that we don't, Turn the two terms around. It is not that we are saved by our works. I think by now we have already learned how important it is for us to recognize that there's absolutely nothing that we can do, nor are we expected to do anything to earn our salvation. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. However, God has created us for good works. So the expectation is that as we learn and as we grow in our walk with Christ, that he begins to... To show us how he has enabled us by his grace with gifts so that we can serve his people and so that we can serve him acceptably. Our good works can be demonstrated through God's call to active service in the local body of Christ. So I wanted to share with you a little a little bit of a personal anecdote that I'm hoping will be able to more enhance this idea of being called to serve or being summoned to serve in active service. So there was a time um, probably I'd say about, about three years ago when I was doing business with a particular entity. I won't mention the entity, but they had some responsibilities. I had some responsibilities. Both of us did our part or our share of the responsibilities. However, to be quite honest, I was a little lax in my timing in terms of performing my part, but I did do it. So it came to a point where um, that other entity was waiting on me to get my part done. And I guess somebody in one of their departments got a little froggy and decided to jump and they engaged their legal team. So one day, I'm at home, somebody comes to the door, rings the doorbell, and I answer the door, they confirm that I am who I am, and then they hand me this envelope, and they ask me to sign for it, and they walk away. So after they walked away, and I close the door, I open the envelope, and I start to read through this letter, this package that I have received. And it becomes very clear to me, based on the legalese that was on this paper, that this was something that was beyond me that I actually needed to go to somebody else about. So I jumped on the phone with my lawyer and I told the lawyer what just happened, that somebody just came to the door, Um, they handed me this package, I've opened it, and I read through everything that, um, that I could from the first couple of pages. And my lawyer said to me, okay, Michelle, based on what you've explained, you got served. And what he meant by that is that you just received a summons and what a summons is is that it is an when a governing authority or an acting authority expects or demands that you show up in a specific place at a specific time to take a specific course of actions So I began to explain to him that I have proof and I have documentation that I did my part. Um, And so because I know that the work that I had with this entity is already completed and I had more than enough proof of that, I just let him know that I'm just going to not consider this. And I'm going to go ahead and ignore it. And he laughed and he said, no, my dear, no, my dear. When you have been summoned, it demands a response. I want you to go ahead and put this in the chat. This is point number one. We are summoned to serve by his divine authority. God has gifts that he has given to us by grace with the intention that we use them in a specific way during a specific time through a specific course of actions. And yet with the summons to serve, Paul cautions us in our approach when he tells us in verses three and four, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not have all the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Paul says to us, have a sober view of yourselves. He literally tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Have humility. But why? What is what is the point of cautioning us at this point to have humility? Well, First and foremost, from a contextual standpoint, Paul is speaking to a group of Roman Christians. And at that time, the Romans, their culture, were not particularly known for their humility. In in fact, it was complete opposite. They were known for being very prideful, and they were known for being arrogant. So he's speaking to a people that he realizes needs to have a paradigm shift within their mentality so that they approach serving not from a place of being prideful, but from a place of realizing that they are being enabled by God to serve in whatever context he has placed them. It's, it's our gifts that are given to us by the grace of God and that we should have more of a grace perspective when we are serving. One that says, I did nothing to earn this or deserve this particular gifting or ability. In fact, everything that I have has been given to me by God and operates by his enabling grace. So when speaking to the church in Corinth, Paul actually uses himself as an example. And in, in 1 Corinthians 4, 6-7, to when he's speaking to the church, he actually tells the church, he asks them a question, he's like, what makes you so special? What is it that you have that you didn't receive? And if you received it, then why are you even bragging about it? In the ESV version, it says, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you deceived it, why do you boast? as if you did not receive it. Friends, we have all received a call to serve by God's grace and therefore there's absolutely nothing for us to boast about. In fact, when we examine who we are in the light of God's word and the fact that everything that we have has been given, it should cause us to humbly approach serving God and his people when we have an accurate view of ourselves. And having an accurate view of yourself does not mean that you beat yourself over the back and tell yourself how horribly you, how horrible you are. Not at all. It means that you have an accurate perspective of who you are. So you're neither overvaluing nor are you undervaluing what it is that God has given to you to do. By God's sovereignty, he has graced you in a particular way. And he expects that you would humbly operate through the way that he has graced you. Paul himself actually draws attention to himself in the first verse when he says that he himself has been given a grace, and in this particular instance, his grace was that of an apostle. So he says to them, he says to the people he's speaking to, he's like, just like you, I myself have been graced. The authority that I have, the position that I have, the enabling grace that I have, has been given to me as a gift as well. And so he's not lauding it over them, he's just demonstrating to them that he is using his gift to serve in the capacity that he was given. The verses uh, below the third verse in verses four and five tells us that in as in one body we have many members and the members do not have all the same function so we though many are one body in Christ and individual members one of another. One of the statements that you will hear us say in fact you heard pastor mention it um, earlier is don't do life alone. Just like parts of the physical body have different functions and capacities, Christians are expected to also function as a body, specifically the body of Christ, knowing their capacities and functions as they are graced to do. And so much of how we determine as a body of believers how we can best serve is when we are having fellowship one with another. It's the Christian lives that we live together that can sometimes help us to determine where we are actually graced to serve. And so this is really, at this point, a shameless plug for Next Steps. Every now and then you'll hear pastor or you'll hear somebody else will come up and they'll speak about Next Steps, which is the onboarding process to this ministry. And what Next Steps is, is it's a way for us to not only express the mission and the vision of this ministry, but it is a dynamic opportunity for us to come alongside you and to help help you flesh out what are some ways or what is a specific area that perhaps God has graced you to serve. And we do so by allowing us to come together in fellowship as we're walking together in relationship as the body of Christ, learning how we might best serve God and how we might best serve one another in our local assembly. So we want to develop a sober and an accurate assessment of of where our abilities lie for the overall impact of the body and for all that we might do to serve God and to serve each other. And I just feel like at this point, I want to point out that maybe you have been holding back The way that God has graced you to serve, because you feel as if your particular area of grace isn't significant enough, or it won't make much of an impact. But can I just encourage you that if you are a believer, if indeed you have made a decision for Christ, that God has given you a specific gift. He has graced you in a specific area to serve, and He wants you to serve in that area because your service matters. Your your gift matters. How you choose to use it matters. And so never look down on yourself or never feel that what you have to offer isn't sufficient. I promise you, not only do we desire for you to serve with us, we know that it will impact and bless your life significantly when you give back what it is that God has given to you. And so, you know, there was a certain point um, in my life when I was, you know, when I was a youngin, and during that time, there was a particular culture, a dance culture, that was really important to the young people of that time. So much so that it, it was like almost every week, especially throughout the summer, almost every other week, there was a brand new dance movie coming out. So there was this one particular movie that I really loved. Um, it was kind of cheesy, but I really did love it. And in this movie, there was this particular group and they had like the best dancers, and they would go out, they would compete against other dance crews, and they would just completely annihilate these dance crews. And most of the time, they, you know, the winning was more about them having street cred in front of their peers, but it was also financially um, a blessing for them as well to be winning these dances and these dance competitions, because they would get these big pots of money, and whenever they would win, they would split up all of the money that they won against, uh, uh, between all of the other members of the team, because they were recognizing the individual contributions, to them actually being able to win those competitions. So within this story, the founder and the co-founder of this particular dance crew, they have a falling out, they end up splitting up, some of the people go with the founder, and a, a couple of the people also go with the co-founder. And they continue to dance, they continue to battle uh, individually in groups, but they were never quite the same as they were when they were all together. And so fast forward to the final dance battle of the movie, and the, the, the founder's team, the original founder of the group, his team has made it to the finals, and the co-founder and his team are at the finals watching, and they approach the founder, and they try to make this one last appeal, and they say to the founder, you know, if you really want to win this thing, you actually need us. And specifically, you if, if you don't take anybody else, you need the co-founder if you really expect to win this. And so finally, the founder of the group concedes and he allows the team to dance together again. And of course, they utterly humiliate the other team and they win this huge competition. Many of you might have already guessed the name of this movie. Maybe you watched it yourself. But for those who haven't, the name of that movie was You Got Served. You got served. I want you to, to recognize something. Not only are we summoned to serve, but go ahead and put this in the chat. Point number two, we are called to serve through synergy. And synergy is defined as the interaction of elements that when combined produce a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual elements contributions. My main intention is to highlight the fact that regardless of the gift, that we have been graced with or enabled with, we all need to use them in cooperation and in conjunction with the giftings and the talents of others. That is the only way that we can hope to see true success. In, in business, there is a well-known principle called the the 80-20 or the 20-80, depending on which way you've learned it, or it's also known as the Pareto Principle. And what it stipulates is that uh, 20% of the members of any individual organization are responsible for the outcomes, or 80%. the outcomes. So when applied to a church organization, it would be 20% of the numbers or the 20% of the members are responsible for 80% of the outcome of that ministry. Now I want you to think with me for a moment. I want you to think about your own physical body. What would happen if 20% of your physical body was responsible for 80% of its outcome? How long do you think you could function like that? And how much do you think that you could get done operating at that capacity? So just as your physical body is not designed to operate optimally at such low functioning, neither is the body of Christ expected to operate optimally when all of its members are not functioning together to produce greater outputs and stronger outcomes for the body of Christ in total. It's, it's this idea that when I can value that my part and my gift is just as necessary as your part and your gift, I will be more inclined to contribute what it is that God has given to me and given to you so that the body of Christ might grow stronger. And this is where I think sometimes the body of Christ can get a little bit caught up with itself. Um, I I didn't really intend on going here, but I'm going to go here for a minute. I'm going to talk a little bit about comparison. So sometimes we look at somebody and like, have you ever encountered somebody that does something so well that they almost would make you believe that you could do it too? Like you listen to somebody and they just, the way they sing, it makes you think you could do all those runs with them, right? Right. Or or the way that they play it. It makes you it makes you wanna do crazy things like go like throw a shoe at them or, or slap your mama or steal your daddy's watch or something crazy. It just makes you believe that you could do the same thing. But this is where sometimes we can get a little bit caught up because sometimes we observe what somebody else is doing or we observe what another team is doing and we think to ourselves that the way that we've been graced and the way that we've been enabled cannot compare to them and so therefore it's not as important. And that comparison, it not only robs you of the opportunity to allow God to work through you, but it's also robbing the greater whole of your particular contribution. In, in Ephesians 4 verse 11, uh, Paul is talking about the gifts of God that are given to the body of Christ to enable the body of Christ and to, um, and to gift them for the purposes of ministry. And he says that, uh, we are to grow up. In every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's verses 15 and 16 of Ephesians 4. What he's saying is that our, uh, we have been empowered to serve cooperatively with one another for maximum growth within the body. I cannot stress this enough. Our service is not just about us. It is about making sure that the body of Christ, beginning in your local body, is able to grow up together in strength and also growing together in love. And so not only does God call us to serve through synergy, but he also calls us to serve through, and this is point number three, serve with specificity. I'm not going to go into the actual gifts because this message is not meant to be a lesson on the actual spiritual gifts. In fact, the, the the gifts that are mentioned here in this chapter is just a small part of the gifts. There's actually more lists within the Bible of spiritual gifting. There's some in Ephesians 4 and there's another list that can be found in 1 Corinthians 12. So this was not intended to be an actual message on gifts. It's a message on the grace itself to serve. And in verse 6, the, the scriptures, says, having gifts that differ, this is verse 6 of Romans 12, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy prophesy in proportion to our faith, if service serving, if the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And the word gifts here is the Greek word charisma or charismata. And what it means is is the favor with, what, with which one receives without any merit of its own. So again, we're back here to an undeserved gift or an undeserved favor. And it is also defined as a gift of grace. Charismata. It is the word by which we derive charisma. And so when Paul states that having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. He is effectively saying to us that we have been given grace for graces or we've been graced with graces and that we are to use those graces to serve. So let's just not get it twisted. We have been enabled divinely by God in specific areas and we are encouraged to use those specific graces in proportion to our faith. And that is not in proportion to the faith that we have in ourselves, but it is in proportion to the faith that God has given to us. So in the last in the last dance battle in you got served there are several members of the team and every single person on the team has areas and gifts and graces and amazing abilities that are specific to them. So there was no time in the competition to be looking around and figuring out what somebody else was going to do so that you could try to copy or mimic what that other person was going to do. No, there was no room for that. There was only time for the dancers to dance and to operate in the sphere of the or the strength of their particular ability. So you found that the b-boy dancers, the b-boys they weren't trying to twerk and the break dancers, you know, they weren't trying to put together a step routine and the animators they weren't trying to pop and lock. Everybody was doing what they specifically had a great ability to do and when each of them did it, they each had an opportunity to shine independently but they also shone together as a team and that is what helped them to get to that place of success. What would it look like if we were to operate within our circle or within our particular sphere of specificity and grace and enablement? What would that look like when we got together with our own areas of speciality and specificity and brought those together? Surely that would lead us to a greater outcome than us trying to have our, and use our gifts for selfish gain. And so the same way that that group was able to come together and they were able to beat that team is the same way that we can come together and we can annihilate the plans of the enemy when we are working in specificity through the graces that God has given to us. So I want to ask you, what is it that you do particularly well that God has graced you with the ability to do? In what area do you serve so well that God has been and gets the glory out of it when you do it? And I want to caution you before you say, well, you know, I don't think I have anything. I don't think there's any, I don't have a particular ability or, or grace. I want to caution you because we cannot make God a liar. The scripture that we just read told us each one of us, that means everybody has been given a specific area of grace or has been graced with a grace to serve. So instead of saying that you don't have one, it would possibly be more accurate for you to say that either you're unaware of what that particular grace or sometimes there are multiple graces that you may have or even that you do know what the grace is but maybe you're uncomfortable owning it. Like, hello, I will be the first one to put up my hand. Hello, have you met me? I'm the first one to to tell you that sometimes you can be graced in an area and you're not even sure that you want that particular grace, but it is there nonetheless. But I just want to encourage you not to feel as if you don't have something simply because your grace may demonstrate itself differently than the grace of someone else. God has graced us and gifted us all with a specific proportion and he expects us to operate within that particular charisma. Amen? In 1 in Peter 4.10, we are told each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In other words, when I do what I do and when you do what you do, the overall effect makes for a more significant impact than if we were functioning in a silo. That is why it doesn't benefit us to get tripped up about our own gifts, whether overvaluing or even undervaluing them or we will never get around to the important work of rightly determining where we fit in the body of Christ and what work is to be done through us. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And the grace that was bestowed on me, it did not go to waste. It was not in vain, for I labored more than they all. But yet it wasn't even really me that was doing the work. It was the grace of God that was within me. He acknowledged that whatever he was doing, it was really God's grace that was operating through him. And so the body of Christ can only operate optimally when all of its parts do their part and do it well, relying on God for the outcome. And that leads me to my last point for the day, and that is point number four. We are meant to serve sacrificially. So in the second half of the Bible, the first few books are known as the Synoptic Gospels. And there is an account in two of the Synoptic Gospels. There is one in Matthew 20, verse 28. And the same account or the same verse is found in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And it says something to the effect of, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How did Christ actually serve? Christ served us sacrificially. And Jesus Christ provides us with the greatest example of how we are to serve others in an illustration found in John chapter 13, verses 11 to 17. I won't read through it, but basically what takes place is that Jesus is having a pre-Passover supper with his disciples. And after they've had supper, he grabs a towel and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. And as he's washing their feet, he tells them to pay attention to what he's doing. And he says, the same way that I have washed your feet, I want you to wash one another's feet. In other words, I want you to serve each other the way that I have served you. And verse, verse 14 says, if then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you example that you should do also as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So, so in other words, Christ is telling his disciples, you got served, so serve each other and serve sacrificially And serve with humility. How many of you know that it takes grace just to serve? My God, please put it in the chat. It takes grace to serve. It is all well and good when you're serving and the people are kind and the people are generous and they are grateful for your service. But what happens during those times when they're not? What about when people are not kind and they're not generous? And they are ungrateful for the things that you have done. What about the times when they are just nasty and and, and immature? What about the times when when they're contentious and they just make you want to pray in the Holy Ghost and ask God for strength? What about those particular times? It is then that the divine enablement of God, the grace of God to serve is needed that much more because you cannot continue on in your own strength. You need God to empower you to serve, particularly in those moments. And so, it is not us that is serving, but it is the grace of God that is working through us. And Galatians Galatians chapter 6, uh, many of us have heard Galatians chapter 6 and 9 growing up, especially if you came up in the church. But if you have not heard it, it says something to the effect of that we not... We ought not to grow weary in our well-doing for we will reap in due season if we don't faint. And some versions say if we don't give up. But verse 10 of that verse says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. God has given us a mandate to serve and service begins in our local assembly. It begins in the household of faith. And and sometimes that service requires deep sacrifice. And sacrifice could be a sacrifice of our time. It could be a sacrifice of our resources. And when I say resources, I don't want you to hear just money. Because we have more resources than just money. Sometimes it can be requiring us to sacrifice our egos, to lay our egos down in order to serve. And sometimes for some people who are so inclined and so gifted, it may even require the sacrifice of their very lives. But whatever the case, we are encouraged to emulate Jesus Christ who has gone before us. We are encouraged to emulate the one who in Philippians 2, we are told, humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. And he humbled himself even to the point of dying on a cross. That type of sacrificial service is something that God has enabled believers to be able to serve through. And so I want to leave you with these last few thoughts. Christ served well. He served us well. God was pleased with his service. And so likewise, we ought to desire to please God with the way that we serve. We ought to desire to allow God's enablement to operate through us in such a way that God is pleased with our service, but also that we are able to serve others and to serve them well. And so today we have heard that we need God's grace to respond when he summons us to serve. And we absolutely need the grace of God to serve through synergy when we recognize that we need to add what we have to what someone else has so that the entire body might grow stronger and might maximize its growth and grow together in love. And yet we are also called to serve with specificity, Regardless of the way that God has gifted us, even if we see somebody else's gift in a specific area that we not count their gift greater, or perhaps even if they have been graced in the same area that we have been graced, their function or their grace might show up differently, not better, just differently than ours does, but yet we are to serve with specificity and then we are also to serve sacrificially. You got served. And so now we are inviting you to turn around and to also serve and to serve well. God bless you all
1: wow 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 i encourage you right now where you are let's go ahead and give god praise for that message if you will go ahead put some clapping emojis in the chat wasn't that an incredible word from the lord thank you so much pastor michelle uh you know we are so honored to have heard such an incredible word challenging us uh that we've been served and now in response we ought to serve as god has called and graced us to do do so. Listen, as Pastor Michelle mentioned, I just want to take a moment to draw our hearts and minds around the incredible sacrifice of Jesus. You know, we love the fact that our service is in response to the incredible love that he has shown to us through dying for our sins and through rising from death with all power. This whole series is around the fact that when we were sinners, sinking deep in sin, far from relationship with God, far from peace, you know, we were born, the Bible makes it clear, in sin, that we were shaped in iniquity. Not only this, but we were born as sinners. We all, Romans 3.23 says, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No matter how many good things we do, no matter how many, no matter what we do, We cannot earn our way to right relationship with God. We cannot earn our way to peace. This world teaches us that we got to do a bunch of stuff and vacationing in the right spot will give you peace. That, you know, having a certain amount of money will give you peace. But the Bible makes it clear that all those things are temporary. And this good news I'm talking about, I'm here to offer you something that's better than a vacation. I'm here to offer you something on today and Pastor Michelle was challenging us around uh, the fact that something great has been given to us that will give us peace that will give us joy that will most importantly give us eternal life and relationship and connection with God. And so in this moment, we invite you, we invite you to put your trust and your faith in Christ. Why would you do that? Why? The Bible says in John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, somebody say, believes in him, whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life that believing in him is is you putting your trust in him not just saying oh i believe there's a god but you actually putting your trust and your faith in what it is that he has done for you romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord that he is king that he is boss if you ask him to be lord of your life boss of your life king of your life if you believe in your heart that god has raised him from death if you really believe that he died and rose from death that you would be saved. You'd be saved from from death. When you die, you get to go and be with Jesus forever. But not only this, but also you would be saved to be able to serve and to use your gift to be able to to impact those in your circle of influence. And so today, I want to invite you into this moment, as I said, to put your trust and your faith in what Jesus has done for you. You might be somebody that has never put your trust and faith in Christ. You don't have a relationship with him. Or you may be somebody that ran away from him. And you, you know, threw in the towel or the cares of life, you know, pushed you away. And you're like, man, I I, I did that a long time ago, but now things are jacked up. And I want to tell you that even though you ran away from Christ, that he has not run away from you. If you have been in his hand, even though you might be running around, you're running around in his hand. When you can today say, you know what, I wanna restore my relationship with him. I wanna restore that moment. So, whether it's your first time or you're coming back to him you're 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 renewing your fellowship with him in this moment i want to i'm getting ready to lead a prayer of commitment now it's a short prayer it's nothing weird and it's not this prayer that saves it's jesus who saves and trust and faith in him but this prayer is a line in the sand saying god you know what today i'm making this decision to respond to your incredible love why would you die for me i mean that's incredible i want to respond by giving my life to you or by coming back home and so in this moment i want to lead you in this prayer of commitment on the count of three if that person is you wherever you're watching if you're in your car i want you to pull over go ahead pull over uh you know so that you don't crash in this moment and on the count of three if that's you you're like this is me today i want to make this decision for christ or i'm coming back home to him today on the count of three i want you to pop the hand up between me you and god here we go one two three come on pop the hand up Come on, in the spirit, I see those hands all over today. And so we're going to pray this prayer. Pray it out loud. We say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins and rising from death with all power. Be the Lord of my life. Make me new. Be with me now and forevermore and I thank you for doing it right now, in Jesus mighty name, amen, come on, we are so excited, we're celebrating with you here at our broadcast location, and not only that, our church family everywhere is celebrating with you, if you made that decision for the first time, or if you are coming back home, glory, glory, glory to God, heaven rejoices over one soul that comes to repentance.